today, the parable we talk about kind of gets away from the farming aspect and just talks a little bit about light. So we're going to talk about light today. And the old uh, Sunday school song, This Little Light of Mine, how many have sung that before? I'm not going to pressure you to sing it right now unless you want to. But this little light of mine, I'm going to, right? Don't let Satan blow, blow it out. I'm going to let it shine, right? So we, we know that song, and that's kind of where this, that song comes from, this passage of Scripture. So we're going to get into that and talk about it. But the title this morning is, not are we letting our light shine, but are we letting his light shine? And that's what we're really going to talk about this morning. But before we do, let's read our passage of Scripture, Mark chapter 4, verses 21 through 25. Read along with me if you'd like. Verse 21. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 24, And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. So I'm going to give you a moment now. Reread that. Sit on it for a little bit. Let the Lord speak to your heart. Take some notes. And then we'll jump back in and, and really get into the message in a couple minutes. This morning. Father God, thank you for this morning again. Thank you for the opportunity to worship. Thank you, Lord God, for Johnny and Desi and their willingness to come and bless us and lead us in that time. Lord, I pray now that you would be with us this morning. Father, again, your spirit move. Speak loud and clear to our hearts and our minds. Lord, the word that you're sowing now, the seed that you're implanting now, may we receive it with joy and anticipation, but also with humility and understanding, Lord God, that even though we may not fully understand, we ask, Father God, that your spirit would teach us exactly what we need to know. So bless us this morning in our reading and our understanding. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So verses 21 through 23 again, and he said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. And again, the phrase that we talked a lot about last week, if anyone has ears to hear, let them hear, meaning he said something very important, didn't he? So let's find out what he's saying. So continuing that conversation with his disciples that he just had, that we were talking about last week in the parable of the sower and the seed and the explanation uh, to them later on, he's continuing this explanation. He, he reveals to them this next parable about light. But again, as we talked about that responsibility of what we're to do as we receive the word of God, we now have responsibility with what we do with what we've been given. So we take it a step further, and he's explaining light. Is light supposed to be hidden? No. Is light supposed to be held under wraps? No. It's meant to shine. It's meant to reveal. It's meant to give away what it is. But we have the responsibility to share now what has been revealed. He revealed his word. He's given his word. Jesus says, I am here. Here I am. Now you, speaking to his followers, have the responsibility to go and give away what I just gave you. That's what we're talking about this morning. 
What do we do now with the word that we've been given? If all we do is take it in and leave it here, it's useless. It's just information. But if we've implanted his word on our heart, we have a responsibility now to give it away. But why is it light now? Well, Jesus defines himself and explains who he is in John chapter 8, verse 12, doesn't he? I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So if you have me in your heart, if you have my word in your heart, then you have me, the light inside of you, that you are now to let shine, let go, reveal it to others. Psalm chapter 119, verse 105, says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So it's very clear, isn't it? Very revealing, very simple. But there's something that we need to talk about. We're going to talk a little bit more about light this morning. So if you have your finger or whatever you put in Luke chapter 11, go ahead and turn there now. And I'm going to read this concept, what Jesus is defining here, from a little bit different perspective. He's basically giving the same parable at a different time in, in, in Luke's writing here. But he adds something to this that I want us to take a look at. So in Luke chapter 11, jump down to verse 33. It'll be up on your screen as well. It's not in your notes, I apologize, but it's on your screen. Luke 11, 33 through 36 says this. No one after lighting a lamp puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. Okay, we've got that part. Read the same exact thing in Mark. But now Jesus goes a bit further. He says, your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, be careful lest the light in you be darkness. If in your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright, as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. So when I read this probably a few years ago now, something really jumped out at me in this section of Scripture. And it's verse 35. It says, therefore, be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. And that resonated with me for some reason. How can light be darkness? Isn't light supposed to expel the darkness? They're opposites. How can light be darkness? And so for some reason, that resonated with me, that sat with me until... It was one night, I was literally in bed, couldn't sleep, mine was going nuts, and the Lord decided to take me on a trip through Scripture. And in the next couple hours, revealed to me as I was flipping through Scripture, reading all these passages about this concept of light and darkness, this became very, very real to me. And so, what Jesus is saying in Luke chapter 11, what we need to pay attention to, he says... Number one, the eye is a lamp of the body. There's a special distinction about that in this portion of Scripture. Not for the body. Did you catch that? The eye is a lamp of the body, meaning whatever you set your eyes on is filling you. Tracking with me so far? Not for the body, not to give it away, 
But your eye is a lamp of the body. I mean, whatever you set your eyes on is going to fill you. So scripture is very clear on allowing Jesus to be our light. We just read John 8, 12. He is the light of the world. But we have responsibility in this. So in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, and we'll come back to this later on, it says, in the same way, let your light shine so that others may see your good works and what? Give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So there's something that needs to happen before we get to that point of letting our light shine is to fill our life and our heart with the correct light. So this brings me back to Luke 11. So when it says, Less, therefore be careful lest the light in you is darkness, we may not have the right understanding of the light that's within us. We think we're shining the right light, but are we? Are we letting our light shine, or are we letting his light shine? So this is where we need to be very careful. So let's take a look at this whole concept of, of light versus darkness. So if the, the eye is a lamp of the body, it does take us right back to connect us with what we talked about last week. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, it's very clear to be careful about what we set our eyes on in this world. John makes things very clear. He says, do not love the world or the things in the world. And he defines three things. The lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. So we need to be very careful about what we set our eyes on and what we're going after in this world because he goes on to say the world is fading away. So we need to set our eyes on the correct things to let the correct things of God fill our life. So think back again to our conversation last week, one of the seeds that fell amongst the thorns, right? Where there was soil there to accept the word of God, and it was, the word of God was growing, but also because we didn't cultivate and do our job to get rid of the junk in our life, we were trying to hold on to both things. But sin is so powerful against us that it would choke out the word and we fall right back into darkness and sin and so this is what we have to be careful about so anything that you want to do to have or to be a part of apart from god's will is sin and god god's word gives us a very clear answer in what we're to do with sin we're to flee but we can't just flee. We can't just run from it. Because if all you do is run from sin, what are you going to be doing for the rest of your life? Running from sin. Because if you're not running to something, to fill yourself with the right thing, you're going to be in a constant state of running to keep yourself away from sin. That is works-based salvation, and that is not biblical. You are not meant to run on empty for the rest of your life. You're not meant to just avoid sin. But a lot of people have that perspective. As long as I'm avoiding sin and not doing this and not doing that, I'm okay. But the problem is they're not pursuing righteousness. They're not pursuing the things of God. And therefore they remain empty only to allow at a moment's notice that sin and the enemy and those temptations and that stuff 
the lust of the world, the, the pride of life, the, the lust of the eyes to just fill themselves back up because they haven't filled themselves with the things of God. So 1 Timothy chapter, find my place here, 1 Timothy 6 verse 11 and 2 Timothy 2.22, both of those define that we are to flee from sin but also pursue righteousness. You turn your back on sin, but you have to be pursuing the things of God. And we're going to get back into that in a little bit later about how to seek the face of God. So if we take this passage that we just read in 1 John chapter 2, those things that we're not supposed to do, what we're supposed to avoid, what we're not supposed to set our eyes on, if we jump back a little bit and add verses 10 and 11 to that portion of Scripture, what we're talking about today should make a lot of sense. So let me read 1 John chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. It says, Whoever loves his brother abides in the light. You guys know what it means to abide? To rest in, to take comfort in. Right? We, we don't use the phrase a lot today, but you abide in the shade of a tree on a, on a warm day. You abide in a nice, cool, air-conditioned house on a very hot day with a nice, cold glass of lemonade or iced tea. You're abiding in that because there's comfort in that. There's peace in that. There's security in that. Does that make sense? So that word abide says, whoever loves his brother abides, takes rest in, comforts in, dwells in the light. And in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So God made it very, very clear to not just avoid looking at the world, looking at the things that the world wants us to have, but we should have taken this step before that and be filling ourselves with the things of God, especially love in this case that fills us with the things of God so there's no room for hatred. There's no room for division. There's no room, for, excuse me, for any of the other stuff that would distract us from pursuing Jesus Christ on a regular basis. So the eye is the lamp of the body. Something to bear in mind, I think, that we all can agree with when... We're watching TV or movies or out and about in the world and what we're going to pursue and, and give thought to and time to, what we set our eyes upon. If the eye is the lamp of the body, whatever we're setting our eyes on, we're taking in. Just keep that in mind. I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty because I think we live in a world of visual stimulation nowadays. And we all have to be very careful about what we're giving our time to what we're giving our eyes to. So the th second thing in this passage in Luke chapter 11, one, the eyes are the lamp of the body. So now we're going to look at the number two, the contrast between light and dark when it comes to the spiritual aspect of who we are. So one, scripture makes it very clear. We are meant to walk in the light. Ephesians chapter five, verse eight says, walk as children of light. That's it. That's defined. That's clear. Walk as children of the light. Capital L, light. The light of the world that we just talked about. But we have an extraordinary tendency to walk in darkness, don't we? Because that's our nature. That's who we are. We're sinful. 
alone and of ourselves, we will pursue the things of the world. We will pursue and walk in darkness. So we have this responsibility to keep ourselves in the things of God, to keep ourselves in the light. As we just read a little bit earlier, we're supposed to let our light shine. Matthew 5, 16. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works, but give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Not glory to you. Don't let them see your works so they can glorify you. This is, this is very clear on what kind of light, why we need to define the light that is in our life. Because if we think it's our light, because we're doing good things, then our sinful nature says, give me the glory for what I'm doing. But if I'm filled with the right light and I'm doing the works of God, then people are going to give God the glory that is due because that's why we're doing the things that we're doing. Because we're pursuing righteousness, therefore everything that we do is cloaked in righteousness. So we're meant to walk in the light, however, we have a tendency to walk in darkness. We're supposed to let our light shine, however, not seeking God, we'll commit to gaze upon darkness. Proverbs 2.13 is talking about wisdom, but wisdom is the things of God, the word of God, that delivers us from the way of evil, from men of uh, perverted speech, who forsake the path of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. Without the word of God in our life, without pursuing the word of God, we're just going to be walking around in the darkness. I mean, I know you guys know your house, but you still, at nighttime, in the dark, have to flip the light on, don't you? Otherwise, your shin meets the table. That's when you step on Legos. That's when you run into things. It's your house. You know where everything is, but you still need light to see where you're going. Same thing spiritually. We've got to find the light and walk and stay in the light to continue to pursue the things we're supposed to pursue. Now with this next portion of scripture, spiritually raise your hand if you can identify with this. You don't have to do it physically, but let me know if you can identify with this next statement. Paul says in Romans chapter 7, verses 18 through 20, for I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Anybody identify with that? I can't live righteously on my own because we are by nature sin. We're sinful. It's what we live in. We can't live right. We can't do good works and give glory to the Father if we're just enveloped in sin. We have no ability to get out of the darkness. So Jesus enters the picture. He is the only one that sets us free from that sin. He is the only one that can forgive us of our sins. He is the only one that allows us to live in the light because when we pursue him and set our eyes on him, it is his light that fills our body. And it is by his light that we pursue to do the things that are going to glorify God. 
It's not about us. Everything is about him and for his glory. But this is who we are apart from Jesus. Are you content to live that way? Are you content to just constantly run from sin? Because you found joy in the things of the world? You find momentary pleasure in the things that the world has to offer? So you just have so much of a hard time giving those things up, knowing in your mind, I should not be doing these things. I should not be watching these things. I should not be giving my time to this stuff. You know, I saw somebody put out there recently on social media, on Facebook, on a uh, pastor friend of mine that uh, he's got a church out in uh, Beaumont. And he put this thing out there that if you were to read Scripture in the same amount of time that it would take you to watch a two-hour movie, one movie, if you just sat and read Scripture, now if I'm going to get this right, he said you could basically read 1 Corinthians up till about 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, maybe Jude, in two hours. Think about that. The time it would take you to watch one movie, you could read that much scripture. But it's a simple choice that we make. I would rather relax and unwind, and these air quotes are for me, because I use that justification. I just want to relax. But that gives us some enlightenment to where we put scripture in front of us that by opening the word of God, just by simply reading the word of God, that's laborsome. That's work. It's not. It's just the choice that we make. That's the, the guilt, the distraction, the discouragement from the enemy that says, you don't need to do that. Watch the Avengers again that you've seen five times. That's a three-hour movie. How much more word scripture could you take in? Trust me, guys, I'm, 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 I'm speaking to myself here. It's the end of football season. Games last about four hours, and I will watch two, three, four of them in a row. Because I love the game. <laughs> I love the game. <laughs> but we have to make the choice. So let's move on. So what do we do? To stop dwelling, to stop staying in darkness because we think, well, I've got a sinful nature. It's just, it's who I am. It's who I'm going to be. No, we can, as much as we easily make the choice to go eat this food or that food or watch this movie or that movie, it's the same choice to make to say, okay, I'm going to pursue Jesus during this time. I'm going to stop dwelling in darkness, stop filling my life with the things that are completely unnecessary that I don't need in my life. But we need to discipline ourselves in order to do that. It's not just going to happen. You have to make the choice. It is your responsibility. This is the only way to dispel that darkness from your soul. But there are degrees of light we need to be aware of. So one, I brought a little example here. And I think a lot of us do this with social media. We've got our handy-dandy little spiritual flashlight, right? But does a flashlight dispel darkness? Only by what you point it at, right? Anybody ever been to a retreat camp in the woods and have to walk from the cabin to like the cafeteria at nighttime? Freaks me out. 
Because I know there's like 14 bears on either side of me and lions and everything is going to jump out at a moment. I hear a crack or a rustle on a leaf and I'm, I'm like running. But, that's on. But if I have my light and I point it at what I'm concerned about, then I'm okay. Because I can see what might be coming at me. But it doesn't dispel all the darkness. Having your little spiritual flashlight... Posting on social media this or that because somebody else says something about politics or whatever else, but you go, no, no, Jesus. <laughs> but then what do you do? I made my point. I'm good. <laughs> That's what we do. As long as we pointed out what we need to shed light on, but then just as easy as we turned it on, we turn, we turn it off. I had to make sure I wasn't sure if I was backwards there. But we pull out our little spiritual flashlight because when I think it's necessary, I'm going to go ahead and shine a light for this individual to show them and expose them their wrong, their sin. That's not good enough. So rather, we need to take it a step further. Like Motel 6. There it is. We'll leave the light on for you. We need to be able to flip the switch and leave it on. But even that's not good enough because if we have the ability to flip the switch on, just like the flashlight, we have the ability to flip it off. We can't do that. So we, if we can discipline ourselves to leave the light on, that's what we're pursuing. So the Lord kind of gave me this example. Again, if this is spiritually sound, theologically sound, I don't know, but it, just, it makes sense to me. So hopefully, if you just toss it in the garbage if you don't like this. But I got the visual of a lighthouse. You guys seen a lighthouse before? You seen it in action before? Okay. Does a lighthouse seem to be working hard? No. But its light is constantly on. But is its light just pointed in one direction? No. It's 360 degrees. And what does a lighthouse act as? A beacon of hope, safety, security. It's a warning to those that it might be lost at sea to give them direction. You see that, that idea, but it's constantly on. But what needs to happen in order to keep that lighthouse operational? You need that innkeeper, that lighthouse keeper inside that is constantly there to keep it operational. So we need the light of Jesus Christ in us, and we need to pursue that light because we need safety, we need security, we need to run to that light because it's attractive. But we need to keep it on. But that's our responsibility to pursue that light. If I'm, if I'm lost at sea and I'm caught in a storm and I see that light, some of us live our life in a way that goes, yeah, I see it, but I'm good. I, I can make this on my own. I'm going to stay out at sea. I can do it. And you get yourself caught up in a, what's that, that perfect storm situation. You guys are speaking of movies. You ever seen that movie? 
perfect storm. Thought they could make it. Thought they could make it. And they tried and tried and tried. Valiant effort. They didn't do it. So here's the ultimate revelation. Light is attractive. Light is a beacon of hope, of salvation, of security. But light also does what? It reveals. Anybody ever, ever have a uh, father or a parent or somebody that flipped the light on in the morning when you were sound asleep? You ever walk out of the movie theater after watching a movie and it's still light outside? You realize the sun was that bright, did you? Light is offensive. Light is offensive. In a spiritual sense, light reveals our sin. And we don't want our sin exposed. We don't want that out there. We don't want to think about it, and therefore that gives us cause to say, I'm okay in the darkness because I know what's inside. I know who I really am, and I don't need that exposed right now. But light is revealing. It exposes who we are. But that has to be done in order to expel the sin and darkness from our life. We are a sinful people. We're unworthy to be in the presence of God. But that's what we are called to pursue. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 16 says, He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light. We're not worthy to be in his presence. We can't be in the full, revealed presence of God. We will die. It's that glorious. The scripture tells us we're supposed to seek him. We're supposed to pursue him. So how do we seek and pursue somebody that's unapproachable? Well, he said, here. Here's my son. I'm going to give you my son in human likeness, so you have somebody you can identify with and therefore have an understanding and a face and a person that you can pursue. So although we are told he's unapproachable, we're also given the task multiple times throughout Scripture that we are to seek him with everything that we've got. Now I'm going to run through a bunch of Scripture right now. Don't feel pressure, you've got to write it all down. If you want my notes, email me, I'll send them to you. But when Scripture tells us we are to seek Him and pursue Him, this is what it says. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Did you hear the verbs in there? We have to seek. We have to turn from our wicked ways. He'll heal us but we've got responsibility. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 25, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. Psalm 119, verse 2, blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. Psalm 63, verse 1, O God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Psalm 105, verse 4, Seek the Lord in His strength. Seek His presence continually. Amos chapter 5, verse 4, For thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, Seek me and live. 
Matthew 6.33, But seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Acts chapter 17, verses 26 and 27, And he made from one man every nation and mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. In Hebrews eleven six, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. That's just a small portion of Scripture that tells us we are to seek a God that lives in unapproachable light. We pursue continually, continuously, endlessly, every day. This is why Jesus said, if we're lost and blind and in the darkness, he says in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then what does he say in Luke 9, 23? If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. This is a constant, continuous pursuit of righteousness. We can't just be content that the light was flipped on one day and we felt good, we felt encouraged, we felt like we could just take on the world. And then we got complacent. We got lazy. And all of a sudden, we're right back to where we started in the darkness. This has to be a continual battle. This is why we do this. This is why we have small groups. This is why we have women's ministry, men's ministry, events to get out and serve, opportunities to continually seek Him in every way so that we can live our life in the light, showing others the hope that they can have in Jesus Christ. Not because of what we've done or who we are or how good we are in a moment. It has nothing to do with that. It's about Him. And this is the beauty of it all. We serve a God whose presence we cannot bear to contain. Yet He gave us His only Son who reassures us that He is the only way to everlasting life. That if we know Him, we know the Father who sent him. And in the presence of Jesus, we find all that we are and all that we need. Jesus is our perfect Savior. Hebrews 1.3 defines Jesus as the radiance of the glory of God. He is the radiance of the glory of God, and he wants us to cling to him. But we've got to set our eyes on him in all that we do. We need to observe all that he did in and through the written word. It's right here. He speaks to us now as he did his own disciples and followers 2,000 years ago. The content has not changed. But in the warning that he gives throughout Mark chapter 4 is what? We need to listen. He blessed us with ears, so we need to open up our ears and listen. We need to pay attention. We need to let that word fill us so there's no room for anything else. So really quickly, let's get back to Mark chapter 4. 
We have two more verses to, to, to talk about, and we'll, we'll close with this. So back in Mark chapter 4, verses 23, again, for those who have ears to hear, let them hear. And then what does he say in verse 24? Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. So it's imperative that what? We use what he gives us. He's given us his word. We have it. We are without excuse. So what are we going to do with it? Again, let me make very clear, this is not about salvation. If you are in Christ, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, that's the free gift. But now that you are following him and have committed your life to him, what do you do with what he's given you? It's imperative. If we listen and put into practice what we learn, he will bless us with more. This is not the prosperity gospel. This is not if you live for me, I'll bless you with riches and wealth and glory and all that stuff. It's not about that. But if you really take in and, and put into practice what I teach you, then I'm going to give you more. I'm going to enlighten you more. I'm going to help you understand more so that you can only do more for the kingdom of God. That's the blessing. But the reverse side is we listen and do not use what we've heard. Why would he continue to give us anything else? Please be careful. When he says what he has will be taken away, we're not talking about salvation. You will not lose your salvation. I want to make that very clear. This is a whole different parable we can talk about, which is the parable of the talents. That a master gives uh, his, his servant, we'll, we'll call it, a hundred bucks. He says, go and use this. And he goes and doesn't do anything with it because he's scared. He's, he's entrusted with his master's money and he hides it and he buries it and he doesn't do anything with it. And he comes back to his master and says, here, I was afraid I was going to lose your money, so here, take back what's yours. He says, that's not why I gave you what I gave you. I blessed you with a gift to use it, to bless others, to give it away. The least you could have done was throw it in the bank so it would accumulate some interest, but you didn't even do that. So why am I going to give you anything else? Why would I give you more if you're not going to do anything with what I give you? That's what God is saying here. We connect this with verse 8 and verse 20, as we did last week. Because another seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. We have the responsibility to do what? To produce, to grow up, to yield, to increase, to seek his face, to pursue righteousness. So how do we put his word into practice? We seek, we grow, we read, we commit ourselves to this. Not just for knowledge, but to go and use it for the glory of his name, for the hope of others, to provide for others in the name of Jesus. 
So with that being said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give us a couple minutes now as we close out. Johnny, if you don't mind, come on up and just play for us. Where'd he go? He's not here. <laughs> That's okay, don't worry, don't worry about it. I thought he was here. But we're gonna close out with this time of just to, to reflect on this. To take some personal time and reflect on, on what you've heard today. I know oftentimes we end with, what did you learn today? Right? What, what do we hear today? What do we see this morning? But I'm going to change that and, and say, what did you hear this morning? So take a couple minutes now and just reflect on that. And as we reflect on what you heard, what the Spirit spoke to you, because He spoke to you. But the question is, what did you hear? Were you listening? God has given us His Word. He's given us His Son. The condition of our heart is going to determine how we receive His Word. That's what we saw last week. But we're also given the responsibility, as we talked about today, to let His light shine. So the degree to which you fill yourself with the things of God is the degree to which His light will shine through you. The more and more you give yourself to God, the more you give yourself to the Word, the more His light will shine brighter and brighter and brighter. Think of a match, if you will. Actually, for a moment, let me have your eyes. I didn't want to bring a match because if I bring a match, then it would have it that I would drop the match, and that would have been the moment they did a science project and spilled gasoline on the floor, and place would go up in flames, so I'm going to take something a little more secure. But think about a match, right, or a lighter. It takes just a little spark, right? Just a little tiny spark to get it going. But what good is this if I don't use it for a greater purpose? It's just like that spiritual flashlight. I can easily enough just release my thumb, right? What happens? It's a decision we make. But this is meant for so much more, isn't it? It's not just meant for concerts. <laughs> if you're old enough to remember lighters at concerts. But you take this and you use it to light something else that is meant to grow into a bigger flame that has a larger purpose. The more and more you fuel this with more and more of God's word, the greater the flame is going to be. The greater the light is going to be. The greater heat is going to come off of that flame. I don't think I'm, I'm teaching a new lesson here. You guys understand what we're saying, but you've got to find a way to pursue to keep that light on. But if you try and do that by yourself, eventually what's going to run out? The fuel and you're going to run on empty. So what do you need to do in your life to keep that light on? Keep pursuing the things of God. Keep pursuing righteousness. His light, His word, His truth, His purpose for your life. That's what I want you guys to reflect on. That's what I want to challenge you with today. Can you do more for Jesus? Absolutely you can. But you've got to take the initiative, the responsibility to get rid of the thorns, get rid of the things in your life that are distracting you from
pursuing more of Him. There's so much in our life that is so pointless, so meaningless that we can live without. But you've got to make the decision as to what that is in your life. That's why we spend this time in reflection. So give that just another minute or so and then we'll close out. But I challenge you to take that with you this week. Keep that before you this week. And make decisions on what you need to get rid of. And if you need help, reach out. You need to talk that through, reach out. Pastor Jason's available. I'm available. We, we, can, we can talk throughout the week. We don't have to wait until next week. So just take another moment and just spend some time in reflection. Thank you, Jesus, for this morning. I thank you for every individual in this room. And pray, Lord God, that you would bless them, that you would go before them. And may we be humble enough to follow you, to keep you in our line of sight as we go throughout our days. Thank you, Jesus, for this morning. And it is in your name that we pray. Amen.